our message tonight out of Daniel chapter 11, the final conflict, Islam and Christianity battle it out. Now, we got this interesting picture here. Maybe you've seen kind of bumper stickers with this, this coexist type of a thing. And we're going to see in these verses tonight, there is going to be a segment of time where there will be, at least to a certain extent, a coexistence between people from Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. But for the most part, it's not going to happen. <laughs> to expect it on a worldwide scale and just a kumbaya, let's all hold hands and hum together, it's not going to happen. And the verses we're going to be looking at today in this final conflict, right out of God's Word, are going to tell us the very events that are happening among us today and will to the very end of time. Now, we've been looking in Daniel 11, and we did two parts already. If you missed those, I encourage you to go to shalomadventure.com, and uh, you can just type in the search there, Daniel 11, and those two sermons will come up, and you'll be able to watch those in, uh, in order. And so we've seen at the beginning of chapter 11, it talks a little bit about uh, Medo-Persia and Greece battling it out, and then it gets into Greece pretty quickly. And Greece divides into four segments. Ancient Greece divided into four segments, and the... One of the segments was to the north of Jerusalem and to the north of Israel, and that was the Seleucids, and then south was the Ptolemies, and they continually battled it out. And in Daniel chapter 11, it discusses a lot of those battles taking place with Jerusalem, with the Jewish people, Israel, right in the midst of it, right in the middle of it, and just being the, the front lines of that continual battle back and forth and continuing on. And then Rome comes on the scene, and Rome overtakes Greece, and Rome occupies then this entire area. All that Greece had, all of Greece, from Greece, the four segments of Greece, down to south of Israel and north of Israel, as well as really the whole Mediterranean Sea area, the Roman Empire uh, controlled all of it, and, and just was really expansive. And you know, had the road system, all roads lead to Rome, and that whole thing. And so then Daniel 11 continues with that and spends several chapters on it because at this portion, Rome is both north and south. And so they're dominating the whole thing. So there really is, at this portion in history, no king of the south. And we see that in, in, in Daniel chapter 11. The king of the south is not mentioned for several verses. And in the midst of that, we see some verses such as this. We've already looked at these. We're just kind of reviewing. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 20, there shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it tells us about Caesar Augustus imposing the taxes, and that's what forced uh, Joseph and, and, and Miriam Mary to go from Nazareth down to Bethlehem and, and the birth of Yeshua, and that's the timing of it there in verse 20. Verse 21 then says he's replaced the next king of the north, uh, the next Caesar was Tiberius Caesar, and he was a vile person, and he's mentioned in the Bible, referring to the time when Yeshua is immersed. So we have Yeshua's birth, we have his immersion, and then the very next verse talks about, with a, dead, with a force of a flood, they shall be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And so verse 22 is talking about the prince of the covenant, right? Who's the prince of the covenant? Who's the prince of peace? Who's the covenant giver, right? It's Yeshua the Messiah. And so it's talking about the Messiah being cut off, being broken, for us, right? Him dying for us. So we have his birth, his immersion, and his death in three, three, three verses in a row. 
right there in the midst of this chapter. And so he's the center of the chapter. He's the focus of the entire uh, chapter. And then it continues on. So we have then Rome divided up, right? Rome eventually collapsed and divided up into ten nations, and we'll also split with Eastern and Western, but then it divided up into the ten nations listed there. And then there's now a new king of the south comes along. Islam comes up from the south. And so Christianity ruling in that orange area or red area there uh, in the north, and so you have the Holy Roman Empire, according to this map, that's what they were called, the Holy Roman Empire, right? What made them holy? Well, nothing, but it was a religious, right? So it was a religious, so it was a holy. So the Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire, right? Instead of Caesars, it now had popes, right? And so it was called, and then you had the Byzantine Empire, but still both Christian empires. So you had this Christianity in the north, north of Israel, north of Jerusalem, and you had Islam coming up from the south. And then those two battle it out, and we've seen there were many crusades and many battles that took place. Revel uh, Daniel chapter 11 mentions three of them. Two we've already looked at. The third we're going to be looking at tonight. And so that's bringing us kind of up to date of where we are at. And so those battles of crusades were again for Jerusalem. And the first one that we read about, they conquered Jerusalem. The second one that is in, mentioned in Daniel 11, uh, Rome was not able to uh, conquer Jerusalem. And so as these two parties are, are battling it out, neither one is good necessarily, right? They're, they're just battling it out, and Israel again is stuck in the middle, we're stuck in the middle. And, uh, and that's still a good place to be, right? In the middle of it all is the place we want to be, because that's where Yeshua is. Yeshua is in the midst of it all. He's in the middle of this chapter, his verses on him, uh, the, the, again, we just looked at, he's right in the midst of the, of the book. He's right in the midst of history, he comes in the scene. He's right in the midst of all the problems that there are. And he was hung right in the middle, right between two thieves, right? And so being with him is in the middle is where we want to be under his hand and under his guidance and under his uh, loving protection as the world battles it out all around us. And then we saw an example in verse 32 and all the verses leading up to this, going right through history, time, verse by verse, uh, going with sequence of history, verse 32, and 33, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And they shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. So you have these people who are following God, doing great exploits for God, they know God, and they're carrying out for him and instructing other people. And so we have Judaism copying the Bible and reading the Bible and passing the Torah down from generation to generation, and yet falling by the sword and by the flame and by the uh, captivity and plundering. And so we have crusades taking place and Jews being massacred and whole villages being uh, destroyed and burned and, and killed and, and, and again massacred taking place. And we also have um, Christians who are doing their best to follow God to the best of their knowledge. We looked at some, Wycliffe and Huss and Jerome, and they're following God and doing great exploits and translating the Bible into the language of the people and sharing it and, and teaching them and instructing them. And they are also falling by the sword and by the flame and by the uh, captivity and being plundered. And so history plays out. And the amazing thing, again, is that God wrote this, instructed Daniel thousands of years in advance and saw them and saw their day. And thus, he sees our day as well. 
And so the sequence that we've been following with Daniel chapter 2, Daniel 2 is the statue from gold down to the iron feet and clay at the very bottom. So one nation after another. And then Daniel chapter 7, describing different beasts, covering the different stages of history, down to the iron-teethed beast who has ten horns. Again, Europe dividing up into, or Rome dividing into the ten nations, then a little horn coming up. And then Daniel 8, with ram and goat and a little horn, a little horn matching there. And then Daniel chapter 11 continues with the same sequence. And the sequence is Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, pagan Rome, and then Christianized Rome. Now, an interesting thing, the majority of interpreters of Daniel 11, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I've always been told Daniel 11 is so hard to understand. And very, very few people preach on Daniel chapter 11. There's very little written about Daniel 11. And, but what is written and what is preached is taught that everything stopped at Greece. So those verses we just looked at in chapter 11, verse 20, 21, and 22, that talk clearly about the Messiah's birth and his, his immersion and his death, they don't apply it to Yeshua. They stop at Greece and they apply it to Antiochus Epiphanes. Or those verses, the whole section there. They apply the, the first verses as we saw going through Greece and then they get stuck in Greece and they spend like 12, 13, 14 verses on Antiochus Epiphanes. Who we saw already is really no one. Rome comes and pushes him away. And, and, and the Maccabee farmers, the Jewish farmers, they beat him up and conquer and beat up his, his, his army and liberate Jerusalem. He really wasn't much. Certainly not to give him so much time in the Bible. And then they have a big gap. A 2,000 year or more gap that they have no idea when it's going to end or why it's going to end or what's going to show that it ends. And then they end it with, then at the very end, there'll be an, a... a a revised Roman Empire. No description of what that's going to look like or, or how that plays out or what that is. So it's like your GPS saying, stay straight and eventually you'll get there. Right? And it just keeps on saying that every so often, every couple minutes. It reminds you, just stay straight, eventually you'll get there. With no, just no roadmaps, no, no uh, landmarks, just keep going. But no, the Bible tells us in sequence exactly where we are in history, and some of the uh, principles that we've seen as we've been going through all these chapters is the prophecies in Daniel and Revelation go from the time of the prophet all the way to the end of time. No 2,000 year gap in the middle of an unknown period of time that just goes on and on and on and on. No, they're very sequential and they don't get stuck in Greece. They continue on to the very end of time. Two, each prophecy repeats and expands on it. Just like Daniel 2 went very, very clearly and on through, and then each one expounding a little bit more on that same timeline from Daniel to the very end of time. It's not talking about individuals, but nations and systems and organizations. So it looks at these various kings of the north and kings of the south and various different things, Tiberius Caesar and Augustus Caesar. It's not so much about them, and they can be good, bad, vile, whatever, it doesn't matter. They can be saved, lost. That's not the issue. There can be people within those systems, Greece, Babylon, Rome, whatever, that, that are saved, and people within the holy kingdom, that, the holy, uh, glorious kingdom, that were not saved. But it's not about individuals. It's not for us to judge individuals by whatever they were part of or, or, or past history or future. Because every individual will stand before God and have to give an account regardless of what system they were born under or stuck under or deceived under. 
So we don't want to get judging. We're just looking at history that's been playing out. And then we'll tell us what's going on in the future. The focus is the Messiah. The focus is not about the beast. It's not about the Caesars. It's not about Antiochus Epiphanes. It's not about, the focus is the Messiah. And he's got to be the center of all the chapters. He's got to be center of all the prophecies. And even as we've been dividing uh, Daniel 11 into three different segments, he's the focus of it all. He's the focus of each part of it. And all throughout, and the whole push towards it, the whole focus, the whole thrust of it is to lead us to the Messiah. And if he's not there and been replaced, and you don't see him there, this gap overtakes from even before him and right on through him, well, then there's a big problem there. The purpose is to know where we are. If we don't know, if there's just this gap, then we have no idea where we are. We have no idea where we are in sequence. So what's a good as a prophecy? Again, what good is a map? What good is a GPS if it doesn't know where you are? If it says, I lost signal, and you're stuck there with your GPS, it doesn't help you at all. And that's what they said, we lost a signal about 2,000 years ago and we have no idea when it's coming back. No, the Bible tells us in sequence, God has given us these prophecies so that we can know the time is at hand. So we can know the day that we're living in. And that's why God has given us the prophets so that we can know and so that we can prosper and so that we can follow the directions that they give. And the nations listed directly affect God's people and the Bible. And that's why these are the ones that we just saw are the ones that are listed. It's not that God has, you know, uh, not that he doesn't care about North Korea or South Korea or, or uh, you know, uh, any other nation, but they're not listed because that's not where the thrust of where the Bible primarily went, right? It was in Israel. It's where the Bible was given. It's where the Bible was written and dispersed and then moved out from there. And as we were kicked out of there, we went primarily north through Europe, and that's where the Bible then followed. That's where the areas where the gospel was then taken, and so that's where the Bible theme goes. And there were saved people in other countries. The gospel went to India and other places, Ethiopia and other places, but where the majority of the work ended up being, and where the majority of the people that accepted uh, the word of God and followed it and taught it, that's where the Bible theme goes, because it's, it's tracking God's people. It's tracking God's work on this earth. The Bible's not the history of the earth, it's the history of God's interaction with people who are receiving him. And so that's the purpose of it. Okay, so now we're picking up new verses as we're now starting. With, or that was all just review. And so here we are in verse 36, Daniel eleven thirty-six. The king of the north, the king, shall do according to his will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. He shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods. And he shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. Now I say it's a new verse because we haven't read that yet in Daniel chapter 11, but really it's exactly the same words for the most part of what we read in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8. That he shall speak blasphemies, also Revelation 14. It's some of the same words. That he'll exalt himself and magnify himself above uh, every other god and the god of gods. And that's exactly what we saw. So that's again we're seeing this is where we are in history. It matches up with Daniel 2. We had in Daniel chapter 2, we had the legs of iron and then the feet of iron and clay. And then in Daniel chapter 7, the beast had iron teeth. So we had a match. 
And then that beast ended up with a little horn coming out of it. And in Daniel 8, there's a little horn. So you've got a, a match, a little horn, the little horn. And in it, it describes this little horn as speaking blasphemies and exalting himself. And then in Daniel chapter 11, it says the same exact thing. So again, we know where we are in history and that all the chapters match and all the chapters move together. Okay, does that make sense? Are right, we tracking along with God's word and the prophecies? Daniel chapter 11, verse 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. Now he shall not have the desire of women. And again, Daniel chapter 11 is very, very plain talk. Right? Very clear wording. It's not beasts and metals and, and, and animals and horns and stuff like that. It just lays it out very, very, very clear language. And so it says he doesn't desire women. And we've got a whole system where the leaders are not allowed to marry women. And that's exactly how it's described back by Daniel, again, over 2,000 years ago. And then he shall exalt himself above all the gods, and he shall not regard the God of his fathers. Well, here's some quotes, just, to, just a couple. We hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. Does that sound like a statement? Exalting himself above them all, above all the gods? We hold the place of God Almighty? Neither regarding the God of his fathers, of the Bible, of the Torah, of the scriptures, or this one. The Pope has power to change times, to abrogate laws, and to dispense with all things, even the precepts of Christ. So he's the power to change times and laws. That's a disregard for the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the scriptures, right? and exalt himself even above the precepts of Christ. Again, God saw this, knew this, and prophesied it way in advance. And again, here it's just confirming and expanding a little bit on what we've already read in Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 10, Daniel 2. Verse 38, still chapter 11, Daniel 11. In his place he shall honor a god of fortresses. And many of the cathedrals were built like fortresses and used as fortresses. And a God which his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver and with precious stones. And I can show you tons and tons of pictures of, again, cathedrals that look like fortresses and, and insides that are filled with gold and silver and, and all exactly as it's described. And a God whose fathers did not know, did the fathers... Worship statues? And of the mother and of various other statues and saints and people? No, God which his father did not go and, and honor them with gold and silver. Again, amazing accuracy describing the powers that would be to the dark ages. Verse 39. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. And he did. Ruled over many, many of the nations, 
and continuing to expand, and all the world wanders after. Right? And we bring up a, a map of the world and look at where Catholicism is dominating, and it's all around the world. But it's really not just Catholicism, because it's really all of apostate Christianity. That's really the king of the north. All that continue in following the false teachings that came out of that system that was there through the Dark Ages and have continued in that system. And then we have the king of the south is Koran-based Islam. So it's very interesting. So the north are the ones who are not following their book, and the south is the ones who are following their book. <laughs> so you have Quran, uh, Quranic Islamism, or whatever, Quran-based Islam, and you have apostate Christianity, who are denying the word of God, denying two-thirds of the Bible, uh, denying the Ten Commandments, or replacing either one, Either denying it doesn't exist, or most of it is, it doesn't exist anymore, it doesn't apply anymore, it's been done away with, or uh, abolished, or is old, outdated, done away, or that they've changed it. You just substitute it with different things to apply to it. Either way. Right? So you got that? And, and so this is the original area, and that orange area there is the original area where the gospel began to take hold. Right, that's the areas where Paul went and other missionaries went and disciples went. Northern Africa, all around the Mediterranean Sea. That was the original area where the gospel began to be taken. And that area has been now substituted. And now those, both those powers are not just regional powers, just north and south of Jerusalem. They become worldwide. They become scattered around the world. Jews scattered around the world as well. And Christianity scattered around the world as well. And Islam scattered around the world as well. And so it's not just, just geographic. Up till this point, it's been pretty geographical to that area. But now it's really worldwide in its scope. But the battle still continues between this king of the south and king of the north. And now we're going to look into all of that so far has been history. And has led us up to where we are today. And this next verse is talking about today. Maybe more so than anything we've seen thus far in Daniel, in the book of Daniel. Really, the whole entire book of Daniel is pinnacling right here in this chapter. Because this chapter, again, more than any of the others, describes our day in detail and the events that are going to take place next. Daniel 2 is pretty, pretty generic and pretty broad spectrum, broad stroke. But here we get very specific describing our day. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and many ships, and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. Now, in the first two attacks that are mentioned in, in Daniel chapter 11, the north attacked the south. This one's different in that the south attacks the north. The king of the south shall attack the king of the north. And the north will come at him like a whirlwind. Now I'm going to look at, we're going to look at a bunch of different uh, news items that have taken place over the, just the last few years indicating this very thing. 
But that's not going to be what establishes the truth of this verse and the accuracy of this verse. We know the accuracy of this verse because of the last 15 weeks we've spent studying the book of Daniel. That everything has built up to this point. Everything has confirmed and reconfirmed Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 10, building up to this point. And we know this verse is right where we're at because that's where we've just been looking at verses describing the, the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, and the Crusades, and, and, the, and the, uh, the Reformers. And so this is where we're at. Oh, an interesting thing before I guess we go there. Let me go back a slide. So we have this king of the north, king of the south, this, this Islam and Christianity fighting it out through these dark ages. And that battling it out helped to preserve Judaism. Because if either power would have dominated everything, either one of those powers might have totally eliminated Judea Jews and Judaism altogether. Also on the flip side, or not on the flip side, but some, uh, another aspect, of the Protestant reformers. They would have been crushed out if either one of these powers would have been able to dominate. And one thing we saw a little bit with, with uh, ones we already looked at, but like for Luther, he was spared to a great extent because the, uh, Christianity in that area, Catholicism, was so busy fighting Islam and didn't have as much time to focus on, on uh, silencing him. And so whether God used these two powers or allowed these two powers, neither one is necessarily good. They're both just battling it out by the sword and slaughtering each other. But God allowed that to allow the word of God to continue to be copied and translated and taught and expounded to this day. Right? And then as it continued through Europe, it then moved. Where did it go after that? Where did the word of God primarily go after Europe and Europe started to not allow it to continue to be preached? Where did it go next? To the United States, right? That's where it moved next, right? Okay, so the king of the south pushes, attacks the king of the north, and then the king of the north comes like a whirlwind against him. Okay, from the telegraph in uh, July 1st, of 2014. Who, who was alive in 2014? How many were here were still alive in 2014? I think most of us, right? Most of us were alive, so we're not talking ancient time anymore, right? We're talking in our day. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the self-proclaimed leader of the Islamic State, stretching across Iraq and Syria, has vowed to lead the conquest of Rome as he called on Muslims to immigrate to fight under its banner around the globe. He's talking global, and yet where is his attack? Where was the Islamic State's main attack focused, according to its leader? On Rome. On Rome. Of all places he mentions, he mentions Rome. That's where their focus was. It wasn't just conquering uh, Syria, it wasn't just conquering Iraq, it wasn't to just conquer the Middle East. Their focus was to gain enough soldiers there, and resources there, and oil there, and money there, and ammunition there, to go and attack Rome, to conquer Rome in a worldwide global fight. The South attacking, pushing against the North. 
That was on July 1st, 2014. We're going to go sequentially here through these news articles. One month later, August 7th, Francis calls for action as Iraqi Christians forced to flee. Pope Francis appealed to world leaders to help end the crisis in northern Iraq after a sweeping advance by radical Islamic State militants forced thousands of residents of Iraq's biggest Christian towns to flee. Who's the aggressor? King of the South, Islam, is forcing and attacking the king of the north. That's August 7th. One month after its leader said its plan is to go for conquest of Rome. His holiness, same article out of Reuters, his holiness addresses the urgent appeal to the international community to take action to end the humanitarian tragedy now underway. So the king of the south is pushing against the king of the north, and the king of the north calls on the international community to help them to take action against this. Now he's called here by Reuters as his holiness. Now there was no rebuttal that I know of coming from the Vatican, some ambassador, some speaker for the Vatican or the Pope himself saying, no, no, what are you doing writing something like that? Don't call me his holiness. There is only one who's holy and that is God. No, no statement at all. His holiness, not just a holy man, his holiness. The most holy. What do we just read in Revelation, uh, Daniel chapter 11? Would exalt himself and doesn't deny it, doesn't downplay it, doesn't you know, refute it, doesn't rebuke it. Called his holiness. Holy Father, George Bush called him to his face and many others. And no statement at all. But he addresses the international community calling for action. Well, what type of action is he calling for? The next day, this is August 7th, right? We read this article out of Reuters. The very next day, Obama says, America is coming to help. And America comes in to Bible prophecy. Here we're just seeing it in a newspaper article in Revelation chapter, well, I won't give that away, we'll get into Revelation next. But in Revelation, America comes in as well. And we should expect it because that's where the gospel went. That's where primarily uh, Christianity and Jews went for protection and safety and religious liberty. And so that's where then the Bible focus of the prophecy ends up going. So Obama says America is coming to help the day after the Pope calls for the international community to take action. Now throughout the Crusades, how big was the Vatican army? How big is the Vatican itself? A few acres. A few acres. It doesn't have an army. It always used other people's armies. The Spanish Inquisition. It always used other people's armies to do its bidding. Same thing. Calling on the international community to take action. And how long did it take? 24 hours. We're coming. Help is on the way. Breitbart News, August 13th, just days later, still 2014, 
Vatican approval of Iraqi strikes, a rare exception to peace policy. The Holy See's ambassador to the UN supported US airstrikes aimed at Sunni Islamic State militants, calling for intervention now. Military action might be necessary. Islamists have forced a policy change. So what type of action was, was the, uh, the Holy See calling for? Military action. And they say here, this is a change in policy. Well, maybe a change in recent policy, policy but if we, as we looked at Daniel chapter 11, we looked at history, there were plenty of massacres and military action. The, the uh, St. Bartholomew massacre and, and, and the Crusades were all military actions that took place. So really no policy change calling for the international community to do its bidding. That's not to say there wasn't something necessary that needed to take place as this Islamic State were, were slaughtering Christians and, and Zidis and, and, and Kurds and, 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 and other Muslims. Something, something needed to be done. Anyone remember this guy? YouTube videos of him beheading people? Jihadi John. Because he was from England. He had a British accent anyway. And so, but he was mad, so they didn't know exactly who he was at first. And the U.S. pledges six million pounds bounty on ISIS executioner Jihadi John, as he would slaughter people and use that for recruitment and, and to intimidate, right? Now we're going to see why the U.S. put such a bounty on his head. A quote from Jihadi John from The Telegraph. This is November 17, 2014. Jihadi John said, to Obama, the dog of Rome. Today we are slaughtering the soldiers of Bashar. Tomorrow we will be slaughtering your soldiers. With Allah's permission, we will break this final and last crusade. They see it as a holy war. And a holy war against who? Who are the crusaders? Against Rome. Right? And who's he? Obama, the dog of Rome. So who's the lead in his eyes? And he's just a spokesperson, right? He's speaking for Islamic State. Who's the lead? Rome. Rome's the lead. Obama's just a dog. He's just a servant. He's just the puppet of Rome. Rome said, jump. Obama said, we're coming to help. Jihadi John saw it. The Islamic State saw it, and they knew it. And so they're mocking Obama. They're mocking the United States. You're just a dog of Rome. You're just a puppet of Rome. You're just a servant of Rome. We're going to end this crusade, this holy war, this last and final one. It's been going on for centuries, but we're going to win this one. We're pushing first. We're attacking first. Isn't that what it said in Daniel 11:40? The Islamic State would force their hand, would push the issue, would push against the king of the north. That's exactly what it said. They see it again as a crusade, continuation of the crusades. And the crusades were against Rome versus Islam. Crux now, it's a Catholic news agency. This is uh, March 13, 2015. In an unusual blunt endorsement of military action. So again, calling for military action from the Pope, from the Vatican, against the Islamic State. The Puffington Host. Uh, nine, whatever, nine. September uh, 24, verse 15. Pope Francis wants to be president of the world. And they seem to endorse him here. 
Shrewdly, methodically, and with a showman's flair, the soft-spoken 78-year-old Argentinian Jesuit priest named Pope Francis showed Thursday that he is planning to become president of the planet. Look where you want, you will not find a rebuttal to this article. You will not see anything from, again, an ambassador or a spokesperson from the fact, no, 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 we're not letting him be the president of the world. What are you, crazy? We're not going to want the, the seat of the UN. We're not wanting to rule over the world. We're just, you know, doing our little thing. We're just trying to share good love. No, nothing, nothing. Nuge Agency presents that, and it just goes out there. World domination. The New York, the New York, the New York, York anti-Semitic slime, how about that, that came out okay. October 31st, 2015, a mass migration crisis and it may yet get worse. The global north must be prepared that the global south is on the move. The entire global south this is not just a problem for Europe, but for the whole world. And he's talking here in the article about immigration. So we have the Islamic State with military action, and we have this mass migration as a, as a people influx, and people invasion taking place, and they refer to it as a problem, a worldwide problem, but primarily between global north and global south. It's like they took the words right out of Daniel chapter 11. King of the North, King of the South. King of the North, King of the South. King of the North, King of the South. And that's exactly as they see it. It's exactly as it's referred to. Global North is in a battle with Global South. There's a conflict between Global North and Global South. God saw it thousands of years ago and predicted it down to our day. And again, as we talk about these powers, it could be people, again, in all these systems that could be saved. It's not about any of these particular people, even up to the Pope or even up to Abu Dhabi, you know, whatever. They, they, you know, they can give their hearts to the Lord. But these systems are in place and these systems are, are happening. World events are taking place and this battle, this global battle, is taking place right before our eyes. And this is important because this is where we are in Daniel chapter 11, and as we solidify this and see this, we will know then the events that are going to take place next. In the last four or five verses of Daniel chapter 11, that's all there is that's left. But if we think we just don't know where we are, and we've lost signal, then we won't be prepared for the next verses. Fox News, uh, August 18th, 2016. This is just before Trump... Uh, won the election, before the election. The point is, they, radical Islam, want to do serious harm. And we have to take them out. We have to take them out very, very swiftly and viciously, if necessary. We have got to destroy the brand of jihad. Okay, so according to Trump, who was doing the pushing? The king of the south, Islam. Right? The point is, they want to do serious harm. They are starting the problem. They're doing the serious harm, and we have to take them out very, very swiftly and viciously. Like a whirlwind. Daniel 11, verse 40. They will attack the king of the south, will king of, attack the king of the north, and the king of the north will, uh, uh, 
will crush them like a whirlwind, like a tornado. How would you describe a tornado? Very, very swift and vicious, right? That's exactly what he says we need to do. That's exactly what God showed Daniel the north was going to do. It's like he's quoting right out of Daniel chapter 11, verse 40. Then his inaugural address, Trump wins the election, fair and square. In his inaugural address, he says, we will unite the civilized world against radical Islamic terrorism, which we will eradicate completely from the face of the earth, like a whirlwind. We're going to come through, we're going to eradicate it. Again, good, bad, not whatever. It's just the systems that are in play that are taking place, fulfilling Bible prophecy. Portico uh, 5, whatever 5 is. June, whatever. March, May, whatever. <laughs> Fourth, 2017. Trump does his visit, his first foreign trip, just a few months after his inauguration. And where does he go? Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the Vatican. Who's in the middle? Israel's in the middle again. <laughs> and who's on either side? The king of the south and the king of the north. His first foreign trip. <laughs> and to Saudi Arabia. Now the Islamic State. What type of Islam is, is Islamic State? We already read it from one of the news articles. Sunni. And Saudi Arabia is Sunni. Right? And so a lot of Islamic State came out of Saudi Arabia. Where did the 9-11 bombers primarily come from? Saudi Arabia. And Trump goes to Saudi Arabia. Now, currently, Saudi Arabia is doing some shifting and becoming more moderate in a lot of ways. And it's uh, Prince uh, Mohammed, whatever his last name is, uh, is pushing it towards moderation, trying to get women allowed to drive and things like that. Um, so he goes to Saudi Arabia and then to Israel. And then where, of all places? to the Vatican. First foreign trip to a country that's only a few acres large and yet has a population around the world. So very interesting, the very three powers, the very three systems talked about in Daniel chapter 11. The king of the north, the king of the south, and the Jewish people. And that's exactly where Trump ends up doing his first foreign trip. Very, I find that very, very interesting in light of Bible prophecy and where we are at. JP Media, November 17th, 17, 2017. ISIS group releases images of beheaded Pope Francis. Wafa circulated a poster depicting a vehicle moving toward the Vatican with weapons vowing Christmas blood. Now, if someone put a poster up of you being beheaded and, 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 and a picture of, of, of vehicles coming, armed vehicles coming towards your house, would you feel threatened? The king of the south, Islam, pushing, attacking the king of the north. Washington Examiner, one month later, December 13th, 2017, here's how much ground ISIS has lost since Trump took over. The defeat of ISIS rapidly accelerated during President Trump's first year in office, starting with the fall of Mosul. So in 11 months under President Trump, ISIS lost more ground 
Then in like two and a half years since Obama said help is on the way, lost more ground and more um, people, militants, terrorists, than in all that time. So like a whirlwind came in viciously, very, very swiftly, and basically decimated it almost down to nothing. Almost had almost no territory, almost had no fighters at all in just basically 11 months. Where before that, it's on the move, YouTube, uh, beheading people, burning people, and, and continuing uh, to grow and gain oil fields and, and, and military armor. Newsmax, December 6, 2017. Trump recognizes Jerusalem as Israel's capital. The Palestinian envoy said the Trump decision was a declaration of war in the Middle East. Pope Francis called for Jerusalem's status quo to be respected, saying new tensions would further inflame world conflicts. Here we have a news article mentioning the three entities, the king of the north, the king of the south, and Israel, all together in one nice, simple article in just a couple paragraphs. All Trump did was recognize reality, Israel, Jerusalem is Israel's capital, and the Palestinian leader, or his envoy, says, this is a declaration of war. Again, Islam on the attack, Islam on the move, pushing against, well, here, Israel, and the Pope, what does he say? Wasn't a good idea. Who asked him? <laughs> he said, they should have left it status quo, shouldn't have done that. No one asked your opinion. Stay out of it. But nonetheless, nonetheless, both the king of the south and the king of the north felt they had to get involved and push and push and push. Israel again, right in the middle of the battle. Neither side being necessarily good for Israel. Bloomberg, 12-12-2017. Iran is ready to back Palestinian forces. Commander of the Al-Quds Force says his nation is ready to support Palestinian forces. Days after the U.S. recognition, Jerusalem recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Lebanon's Hezbollah head, Nasrallah, called on all resistant groups to take back Jerusalem. Now Iran, so now Iran coming in. Now Iran is Shiite, but still it's all Islamic, all still fighting the same battle together. While at times they fight each other as well. But as far as the globally and the big picture of prophecy, it's still all part of the, the king of the south. Why is Iran's military force called Al-Quds? Anyone know? Why is it called Al-Quds? Al-Quds is the name that they use for Jerusalem. Now, why would Iran name its military force after the word they use for Jerusalem? That would be like the U.S. calling its military uh, Baghdad or, you know, or whatever, or, or, or Moscow, right? Why don't you call your military force Moscow or something like that, right? Unless you had some intention of they're going to take over Moscow, right? So Iran's intention is to take over Jerusalem, and that's exactly what Hezbollah's uh, leader said. We want all resistant groups, all Islam, to take back Jerusalem. So the attack there on Jerusalem, again, Islam pushing and forcing and attacking. Breitbart News, uh, June 10th, 2018. Erdogan, Turkish President Erdogan predicts war 
between the cross and the crescent. So you got a president of Turkey, a large nation, that's a NATO ally or within the NATO uh, system, and he's saying, he's predicting war between who? The king of the north and the king of the south. Between the cross and the crescent. Just like Daniel 11 predicted. Now, if that was to take place, I don't wonder which side he would choose to stand on. He's pushing for more and more. Turkey used to be pretty moderate. It's pushing him more and more, becoming more and more Islamic and uh, Sharia law there. Um, but he's also part of NATO. Associated Press, June 29th, 2019. The White House talks tough on Israel, but still seeks talk. Okay, so Kellyanne Conway mentioning that uh, Iran shot down a, a drone, a U.S. drone, and their provocations uh, uh, is not going to be accepted, and the U.S. is going to have to deal with this. Again, the king of the south pushing, attacking a, a U.S. drone. Could have set things off. Could be something more. Could be an entire oil tanker. Who knows what? Something is going to set things off. But now even just this week, U.S. Uh, Secretary of State Pompeo said ISIS is growing again. So it hasn't been totally eradicated yet. It's beginning to grow again. So this whole Daniel chapter 11 verse 40 is not over yet. We're still in the midst of these last few years, really back since 9-11, was that 2001, but, but really more intensely as we've seen since ISIS came on the scene and Iran getting billions of dollars in a free nuclear deal to to uh, go and make weapons of mass destruction, have been bolstered and pushing forward and attacking the king of the north. And so it's continued to grow. Also this week, Israel bombs Iran bases in Iraq. And so again, Iran on the move, moving up into Iraq. Israel is saying, no way. They've bombed them in Syria, and now they're starting to bomb them in Iraq as well just this week coming out. Things are getting hot. <laughs> Israel and U.S. train for vessel rescue because Iran is capturing these oil vessels and so they're preparing that we may have to go and liberate uh, uh, people off these and liberate the whole entire ships and so they're preparing for that type of scenario because again it's already happening. They, they took a British uh, oil tanker, Iran did and other things, so, again, just as this is this week's news. Palestinian leader Abbas declares, we shall enter Jerusalem, millions of fighters, all of us, the Islamic nation and the Christian nation, they shall all enter Jerusalem. 
Now here he went on with his rant, and, uh, and he said that, uh, that Israel took our land, they took it from the Canaanites, and we are the Canaanites. He used to say they were the Philistines and that Jesus was a Palestinian. Now they go all the way back to the Canaanites. I mean, they've got a real identity crisis. They have no idea who they are. You know, they go, whoever sounds good at the time, they just grab a hold, that's who we are. And in reality, uh, the current Palestinians in Israel, they came from, from Egypt and, and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and other places. When Jews began to immigrate into Israel um, in the uh, 1800s, early uh, 1900s, and began to rebuild Israel, and so there were jobs, and so these Muslims from these other countries, these Arabs from these other countries came. That's where they came from. Not from the Canaanites. Not from the Philistines. Anyway, but he says, we're going to take on with millions of fighters and attack Jerusalem. And who are they going, who's he calling for the attack? To join the attack? The Islamic nation and the Christian nation. So Voss is calling for the king of the south and the king of the north, or the kingdom of the south and the kingdom of the north, to both come and both attack Jerusalem and take it back. Now what is he talking about? He's talking about putting another church there, putting a, a mosque there? There are already churches in Jerusalem and in Israel. There's already mosques in Jerusalem and in Israel. He's not talking about religious freedom. He's talking about domination. He's talking about getting rid of the Jews and putting just Islam there. And he says, Christians, we need your help. But what do you think they would do to the Christians once they get in? Just like they've done to the Christians in, in, in Bethlehem. Almost all, chased them all out. Bethlehem used to be a majority of Christians of various different kinds and stripes and all like that. But, but now they're the minority, big time, in just a few years. So it's interesting what he's calling for here. And again, the attack on Jerusalem. So again, it's the king of the south pushing, 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 and the king of the north attacking. So that's where we are. And again, it's not the newspaper, the news articles here that, that solidify that. We know this because of, again, where we've been. You could take news articles and prove anything you want for Daniel 11. I mean, I, I could, I'm sure if we worked hard enough, we can make it look like uh, Russia and, and South Africa or South America, the king of the north. I'm sure we worked hard enough, we can make the Arctic and the Antarctic look like the king of the north and king of the south. If you want to, you know, play with it, and, and Antiochus Epiphanes if we want. You know, you can make it twist to anything you want. We're not basing the accuracy on these news articles. The accuracy is, again, we've just been consistent with Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 10, and just building, 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 building up to this point. And all of them paralleling. And so we're at that time frame. We're at verse 40. It's where we are in history. With or without these verses. Actually, I got a lot of these news articles from a friend of mine, Tim Rosenberg. He wrote a book, Islam and Christianity. I forget the, the final war or something like that. Islam and Christianity. And, uh, and he wrote that back in like 2010. When Islam was not that much pushing like we saw these articles. And he wrote, this is what I'm reading in Daniel chapter 11. There's going to be a made, it was before the Islamic State was around. That Islam is going to do a major push before they start showing pictures of, of beheading of the Pope and saying that Obama serves Rome, is the dog of Rome. Before they say our conquest is for Rome, before they said this is the last crusade, he said this is what Daniel 11 is saying. That Islam is going to push 
and it's going to be a whirlwind against it. Before Trump was president, before Trump was running for president, he wrote these things that, that the king of the north is going to come like a whirlwind. Before he said very, very, very swiftly and viciously. That's what he wrote. So we know, because we can see it in Daniel 11, when, you, when we interpret it with the rest of the book of Daniel and Revelation, we can see where it's at with or without the news articles. The news articles are just confirming what we've already seen. So now the last few verses of Daniel 11 are going to tell us what is going to take place next. So hold on to your seats. Fasten your seatbelts. It might get turbulent. Verse 41. He shall also, king of the north, shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. So he comes down like a whirlwind against the king of the south, and in doing so, conquers many countries and enters the glorious land. Well, again, Christianity is already allowed in Israel. It's religious freedom. So what exactly is it talking about? It's going to get a little bit more specific in the next couple verses. But these shall escape from his hand. Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. So what does it mean to escape? Well, Daniel 12, the very next chapter, verse 1, your people shall be delivered everyone who is written in, is found written in the book, the book of life. That's the same Hebrew word that's translated as escape in Daniel 11.41 and is translated as delivered in Daniel 12.1. Same exact Hebrew word. Why English translates escape in one, delivered in the other, I don't know. But it's the same thing. So it's saying that some people in Islam will escape and be saved. They will be delivered. They will have their names written in the book of life. Praise the Lord. All right, so there will be a wake-up, and it's happening right now as well. Also, just within recent time, wasn't so much before, but right now, there are more and more Muslims coming to the Lord and giving their heart to the Lord, having dreams, visions, and, and, and reading the Bible, and are coming to the Lord. And that's what's being predicted. Now, it mentions... These three countries, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. Historically, those were relatives of the Jews. And that was on the eastern side of Israel. Ammon, Moab, and Edom. Today's Jordan. And so there'll be some people, maybe geographically, maybe specifically from that area, but I think globally just, just that there will be some Muslims that come to the Lord and will be delivered, they will escape the whole battle between the king of the north and king of the south because they will come to the Lord. In the book of Amos, it predicts this thing as well. Verse, chapter 9, verse 11. I will raise up the tabernacle of David that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord. And here is a map of the kingdom of David. And the kingdom of David encompassed Ammon, Moab, and Edom as well. The very three countries that were mentioned there in Daniel chapter 11. So Jewish people are coming to the Lord, kingdom of David. Muslims will be coming to the Lord, and Gentiles as well will come to the Lord. So there will be some coexistence between Christians and Jews and Muslims, as they all come to the Lord, as they all come and follow the word of God, there will be a 
coexistence. It will be, but it's in the Lord. It's in the Word of God. They will follow the Word of God. They will be written. They will be found in the book. They will be found written in God's book because they're reading God's book and they're following God's book, not just a portion of God's book, not just the second part or not just the first part, but all of God's book. They will be following it by God's grace, all of the Ten Commandments and the Gospel and following it all by God's grace and God's strength. So predicting it all coming together. Back to Daniel 11, verse 42. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. So if those other countries escape, which means they're delivered and they're found written in God's book, then those that don't escape, they're lost. Right? So they stay in rebellion against God, they stay in their false teachings and false religion, and they battle against it and they don't escape God's wrath, but they also don't escape the wrath of the whirlwind of the king of the north. So again, predicting it'd be this last battle where the king of the north will come like a whirlwind and portions of Islam will be eliminated, decimated. Radical Islamic powers will be decimated and eliminated. And when we say radical and they throw that out loud, oh, it's just radical Islam, as if it's a small group, right? Because in most groups, you've got the radical fringe, right? Maybe in your family, you've got some radical uncle or something like that. I mean, it's just one little radical, you know. But they estimate it could be anywhere from like 10%. That sounds small, right? 10% of Islam is more than every single person child, adult, baby, infant, legal, illegal, every single person in the United States. That is equivalent to 10% of Islam. That's not a small number. And if it's only 10%, and 10% are able to be that radical and do all the crazy stuff they do, and 90% were all peaceful and wonderful, well, you think that 90% could shut up the 10%. You think that 90% could shut down the 10%. Either that, or a good portion of that 90% or might not be willing to go put suicide belts on, but we'll give money. We'll give support. We'll speak up. Or we'll just encourage. Or we'll just keep silent. And that's exactly what's happening. So it's not, it's not a small number. We're talking big numbers that the Bible's predicting is not going to escape. And out of Egypt, what Islamic power comes out of Egypt? Big time problem. The Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood or, or originated out of Egypt. And it's a huge problem. Maybe in some way bigger problem than ISIS. Doesn't operate the same way, not beheading people openly in the streets and on YouTube, but works undercover and sometimes openly in other ways, politically in other ways, and in many ways is more dangerous. But it's going to get crushed. Verse 43, he shall have power, the king of the north, he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. So again, they take all the oil, take all the bounty, whatever. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. So he saw one portion of Islam escapes, one portion does not escape, and one portion follows. What does it mean to follow? Join forces with the king of the north. That could be exactly what the leader of the Palestinians, Abbas, was saying. 
Forces of Islam and forces of Christianity taking over Jerusalem. A uniting, following with the king of the north. Joining forces with the king of the north. Not necessarily converting, not necessarily giving their, definitely not giving their hearts to the Lord, but also not getting crushed under. And that could be some of what we're seeing, like Saudi Arabia, willing to work with, again, Trump's visit, he goes to Saudi Arabia and ends up in, in the Vatican, right? And so trying to pull them all together. Right? And so some of these powers joining forces with to fight the Islamic State or to fight Iran or to fight some, you know, thing out there. And yet joining for following with. But as far as God's concerned, that's still a lost. Right? So one portion gets saved, one portion gets crushed under in the whirlwind, and one portion is lost. Verse 43, next verse. Verse 44. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him, the king of the north. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. So what's this news from the east and from the north that troubles the king of the north that he goes forth with a fury to destroy and annihilate many? Like, like it says, the devil going around like a roaring lion because he knows his time is short. Right? Like the Nazis, when they knew they were, gonna, they were losing, they just tried to, they didn't surrender, they didn't go and confess, they didn't go and turn over, they didn't even treat, try and keep the Jews as hostages. They tried to annihilate as many as they could because they knew their time was short. And so same here. He goes forth to annihilate many because news from the east and the north. Well, what's the north and the east? Well, we have the east, we have Ammon, Moab, and Edom. And so it could be news of Muslims coming to the Lord. And that disturbs the devil. He hates that. And the north, come out of Babylon, my people. So maybe people coming out of apostate Christianity and coming into true biblical following, following again the whole Bible, following the Gospels, following the, the Lord in all of his ways, receiving his grace and mercy with the Jews. And so again, we have that coexistence taking place there. And Satan hates that. That's what Satan's constantly trying to stop, constantly trying to resist happening. He does not want us to come together in the word of God. He'll be happy if we come together and just hold hands and again hum. But he doesn't want us to come together in the word of God. And so that infuriates him. And so he goes forth knowing this is the horrible thing. And he goes forth to annihilate as many as possible. Another aspect of this is the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, verse, chapter 44, verse 4, he brought me to the way of the north gate, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. In chapter 43, 43 of Ezekiel, verse 1, he brought me to the gate that faces toward the east, and the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Right, so the glory of the Lord coming from the east. The glory of the Lord coming from the north. And that infuriates and brings fear and go forth to annihilate many. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 2, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And Matthew 24, verse 27, For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Right? So the coming out of the east, the sealing, God sealing his people, and that infuriates the devil, and the Lord coming, and the sign of his coming. And so the, 
Announcement, the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming, infuriates, and as the message goes forth to the world, because what did we read when we looked at Matthew 24 on Tishbaav? That the last sign is when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. So as the gospel goes to all the world, and people from Islam, and people from Judaism, and people from Christianity come to follow the one true God in the fullness of the scriptures, in the fullness of the gospel, in all the Bible, and infuriates the devil, and he goes forth to annihilate and destroy many. So it's the message of his coming. The Lord is coming. Come out of Babylon. Come out of Babylon. Come to the Lord. He's coming, and he's coming soon. This is the time we're living in. This is what's coming. Back to Daniel verse 11, verse 45. And he, the king of the north, shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. And what's the glorious holy mountain? Jerusalem is God's glorious holy mountain. It's where his glory was. It's where he predicted. He said, when you come into the land, I will show you where you will put the tabernacle. My glory will abide there. Solomon dedicated the temple. God's glory came down. The glorious holy mountain, Jerusalem. What is the city that's between the seas? Between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. Jerusalem. It's referring to Jerusalem. And it says that he, the king of the north, will plant his tents. I don't think he's just coming for Sukkot or just coming to put a little tent there. Or what does it mean that he's going to plant his tent there? His tents there. Like move the capital there. Move, not again, just not another church here or something like that. But to establish the headquarters there. To take over. That might sound radical, but there's really precedent for it. Because this map that I'm showing you here is a map of the UN partition plan from 1947. This is what the UN came up with to divide the land. And they gave the blue portion, mostly desert down here in a very narrow strip, for the Jewish people. The orange area, the high country and, and fertile ground, they gave to the Arab state. And Jerusalem there in pink, an international zone. International zone. And one of the things that was that not to be ruled by a Jew or a Muslim. Well, what does that leave left? A Buddhist? A Hindu? <laughs> Who had plans of ruling over Jerusalem as an international city? Who has a lot of land there? Who has a lot of interest there? Who has had his eyes on it? But, and the Jews said, okay, all right, we'll take whatever you give us, all right. And the Arabs said no, and thus began the War of Independence, and Israel was able to gain a lot of land as a result of that, and eventually able to regain Jerusalem as well. But that was the original plan. And according to Daniel 11, verse 45, that is the plan. And not only is a plan, but according to the Bible, he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy land. Now we've been looking at Daniel 11 verse by verse. And we've done Daniel, again, 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And in all of that, have we seen the verse that says believers are going to get poofed out of here? Have we seen that yet? Where's the segment where it says, but don't worry, poof, we're gone, we're out of here, and then all these battles will take place, but don't worry, you're not going to be there. It's not there. It's not there. Where do we see a gap? Where do we see, and there's going to be a big gap. We're going to take a break. God's going to go on vacation for a while. Nothing to see here. Don't worry. And besides that, when it starts kicking, you won't be here anyway. So forget about worrying about Daniel chapter 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45. It doesn't apply to you. You won't be here. And there's a big gap anyway to go to sleep. Where do we see that? We can see it in a lot of places, but we won't see it in the Bible. And he, so that's the last thing. This is the last verse in this chapter. And the, la, the next thing that happens after he plants his tent in Jerusalem, boom. Yet he shall come to his end and no one will help him. Just like Daniel 2. The stone comes cut out of the mountain, destroys the whole entire statue. Just like Daniel 7, the beast with his horn will get destroyed and be crushed under. Just like Daniel chapter 8, the little horn power will be annihilated. They all parallel, they all end the same. He shall exalt himself and then go down. No one to help him. Crushed under. By who? Well, they cut the chapter here. But of course the chapters weren't originally cut. So we'll go to the next verse. We'll, we'll borrow from chapter 12 verse 1. At that time, at what time? At the time that he plants his tent, at the time he gets crushed. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince, the prince of the covenant, the great prince, who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Yeshua quoted that. And at that time, during the time of trouble, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. So while these battles are going on, the king of the north, the king of the south, the global, worldwide battle, and we're stuck in the middle, again, neither side is good, don't think you join one side or the other, and follow one side or the other, you'll be safe. We need to follow the Lord and the Lord alone. Let them fight their battles. Let them do their deal. We follow the Lord. We keep faithful to him. That's what it's about. Trusting in him. Sometimes it's so easy to root for one side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because <laughs> being so bad, they're beheading people in the desert, you know, and burning people in cages, you know. But, but we need to be just in the Lord. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And these battles are going to play out. And these systems are going to be used. But God, and we're going to be stuck in the middle of it. But the great prince has his eyes on you. He's standing watch over you. There'll be a time of trouble. It's going to get bad. As they battle it out, it's not going to be pretty. We haven't seen anything yet. Nuclear weapons, I mean, just horrible people who could burn people and behead horrible, horrible, horrible people. Horrible atrocities are going to happen. There's going to be martyrs down through it. But that's not the end. 
will be written in God's book. With all the martyrs down through the ages who've been written in God's book and are sealed in God's book. And God will watch over us. Our great prince will watch over us. And he will deliver us. Ten thousand, a thousand will fall at your right hand, or left hand, I forget how it goes, and ten thousand at your other hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. You will see it with your eyes, but it will not come nigh you. In the midst of the battle, God will protect us. Again, we've been in the midst of the battle since Daniel chapter 11, verse 1. We've been in the midst of the battle since Egypt. We've been in the midst of the battle since the beginning. And God has delivered us and sustained us to this day. We are still here by God's grace, and we will be for all eternity as we keep our eyes on him and focus on him and stay under him and walk in his ways by his grace. Because he is the Lord of all. He is the King of kings. He is the Prince of peace. He is the ruler of it all. He is our defender. He is our defense. We shall not be moved as we trust in him. It's going to get scary. Again, we looked at, there's only about four verses left to take place. And they aren't pleasant ones. He'll enter the glorious land. He'll enter into Jerusalem. Plant his tent there. Destroy many. Seek to annihilate many globally. But God will be watching over us. He watches over the sparrow. And I know, yes, I know, I know that he watches over me. He's watching over. Michael stands up. He's the prince of us. He's our prince. He's our great prince. And he's watching. He doesn't sleep nor slumber. He never goes to sleep. He never closes his eyes. He never blinks. His eye is on you. And he's watching over you and your little troubles you're going through now. And the little struggles and the problems we're having at work or at school or in the job. In the family, in the neighborhood, internally, externally. And he'll watch over us through the time of trouble that the world has never seen. And he will deliver us, just as he always had delivered us. Again, casualties along the way, but will be written in the book. He will deliver us and save us for all eternity. And we shall dwell with the Lord forever. For the Lord himself shall come. For the shall fear not, neither be afraid. Yeshua said, for in my house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you will be also. He comes to deliver us. He'll destroy this earth. Again, the stone comes and destroys the entire statue, destroys the entire earth to make a new heavens and a new earth. Behold, I come. He comes with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Messiah, the martyrs down through the ages, will rise first. And we which are alive and remain through that time, through the plagues of Egypt, will be delivered parting through the Red Sea. We will make it through the end. We'll be there through it all. But then God will deliver us out of it. Together with them, we shall meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall ever be 
with the Lord. That's where our hope is. That's where the focus of the prophecy goes. That's where it ends. That's where it finds its fulfillment. And that's where we need to keep our focus. But we need to know where we are. Only four verses left. The time is at hand. He is coming and he's coming and he's coming soon. And the king of the south is pushing and the king of the north is coming like a whirlwind. All signs that the Lord is coming. We're in the final battle. And it's going to get more intense. But hold on to the Lord. Trust in him. Walk humbly on your knees before him in prayer. Trusting in him. And he will deliver us. And so as we prepare to pray tonight, if you're going through some trouble in your life, maybe you think this is the time of trouble for you. And it might be for right now. And you need God's help. You want to claim God He's watching over you even now. You want to claim deliverance from this problem right now. Then the moment when we pray, let God do his mighty work in helping you, in delivering you, and sparing you, watching over you, and helping you, and carrying you through your trouble right now. Whether it's internal or external. Or secondly, if there's some, rec some sin on your record, some sin that's on that book that would keep your name from being written in that book, some rebelliously known, cherished, ongoing Sin that you know is wrong and you're doing it anyway or you know you should be doing and aren't doing. Some known sin. Surrender it now. God's grace is powerful enough to forgive you and cleanse you and wash away all sin. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And invite the Holy Spirit to fill you and to give you power and victory over that sin that you can be his bride standing without blot, without wrinkle, blameless before him by God's grace. And so if that applies to you in a moment when we pray, ask God to cleanse you of that sin and deliver you from that sin and give you victory now because there's not much time left. Thirdly, if you're seeing that there's not much time left and the world has to be warned, God has to people bring people for the fullness of Judaism, to see the Messiah of Judaism. He has to bring them out of the, the false teachings of Islam. He has to bring them out of the areas of apostate Christianity. God wants to use you, and God wants to use me. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Lord to go forth as his messengers for the Holy Spirit to go before us and to prepare their hearts and minds. And if you want to say, Lord, use me. Time is short. We need to go out and we need to get this gospel to the world before it's too late for them. People are dying every day. Lord, use me. And if you're willing to say, Lord, here I am, use me. In a moment when we pray, ask God to anoint you with his Holy Spirit, with the power to walk in his ways and to speak his word, to live his life. Fourth, if you see this and you've seen this and you're tracking with this and you, this is amazing. God's word is amazing. God's word is accurate. 
And you just want to praise the Lord for the accuracy of his word. Praise the Lord that he has shown us the day that we're living in so that we can know the time that we're living in, so we can know the time is at hand. And you just want to thank him that he has seen these things beforehand to warn us so that we can be prepared and so that we can prepare others. And you just want to praise the Lord for that. Then a moment as we pray, just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his word. You want to thank him that he's watching over you, that he stands, that he's the Almighty, that he's over it all. There's none like him. You want to just praise him, then the moment when we pray, enter into praise with him. Forgive him, it's a five, fifth, whatever we're up to. If as we've read these things, it's struck terror into your heart, if your heart is failing you for fear for these things that are coming to pass, if you're fearful of this time of trouble that's coming upon the world that such the world has never seen, the Holocaust ten times over or more than that, everything combined, worldwide, in our country, in all countries, in our city, in our houses, in our nation, in our villages, in our towns. And if that's fearful of that, fearful of maybe being a martyr, fearful of the time, the battle, the last war, then the moment when we pray, you can surrender that fear to the Lord and trust his hand over you and find comfort that he is standing watch over you. And he will not let it come nigh you. He will not let any temptation come upon you that is not common to man. And with the temptation, he will give you a way of escape. He will deliver you from it. He will give you everything you need. You're the apple of his eye. And if it's okay for him that you die, then it's okay for him that you die. You want to just surrender your life to him and say, Lord, if I live, I live. If I die, I die. But I just want to live for you till the end. He calls for you to see him coming and praise him. He calls you to die beforehand. Well, then that's okay too. So if you want to surrender the fear of what's going to come to pass, these last few verses, these last few years of earth's history, you want to surrender those fears and ask God to fill you with faith and strength and courage and trust in him. Then in the moment when we pray, let God do his powerful work in you. And six, if there's some other area God's been speaking to your heart and mind about, maybe something this week, maybe in your own personal devotions, or maybe something God spoke to you different than what I said, but God's speaking to your heart and mind, some, something else that is applying to you personally, then as we pray, let God do his work in your heart and life, whatever's needed there. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, thank you, Lord God, for watching over us. Thank you because of Messiah's death and burial and resurrection. Thank you because of his birth and immersion and holy life. He's paid the price for us. So Lord God, Take the blood of your son, our prince, and place it upon our records. Place it over our names. Wash us clean of all sin and defilement, motives and actions and inactions. And seal us with your Holy Spirit. Live in us and through us. And write our names in your book. And seal us there. 
preserve us and purify us and live through us to fully keep your word by your grace and by your power. And use us as this world is falling apart and will so more so. Use us as lights to the world and warning this world and delivering all who can be. Fill us with your spirit and go before us and use us for your honor and glory. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.